Hey, welcome into Positive Life. We're bringing a positive influence in this world and into your life. And hi, my name is Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on, I am the light of the world. And from John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We can't see our future, direction, or destination, but Jesus can. Like a lighthouse guided the ship, Jesus directs us towards God's light. That light of Christ guides us through the darkness of sin, life, and struggle both spiritually and literally. So I am the light of the world is rooted in Jesus' relationship with his father, John Piper states. Jesus speaks from God and for God and as God. Apart from Jesus, we live in darkness. We have limited capacity to understand who we are or what we see in the world. The beauty of humanity is still evident, writes Amy Joseph, but ugliness abounds. Jesus consistently focused on linking himself to the Father. So the Greek word for light in this verse is phos, defined as a light, anything emitting light, like brightness. God profoundly states, I am. Light is a part of who he is, subtle but powerful. Each day the sun rises to warm, illuminate, and provide growth on earth. The moon and stars light the night, serving as navigators long before smartphones. We reach the light switch when we enter a dark room, and we depend on our accumulation of knowledge to shed light on our lives. Light permeates into every crack and crevice of our lives and beings, whether visible, tangible, in regard to warmth, or metaphorically enlightening. The origin of Phos describes how light makes manifest, evident, exposed, or clear. Light is required for any vegetation to grow, and the light clarifies the human spirit. Christ was present at the creation of the world. The author of light has the authority to eliminate his creation in truest form. Jesus saying he is the light of the world is the outer recognition of his Father's creation and presence, and the inward dwelling of the Holy Spirit, by which we know our Father and walk with Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world, our world, and in the world, like God is omnipresent, so Jesus is light. Through him and his sacrificial death on the cross, we are exposed to the light and our sins. So Christ is the light of the world, God is light, and Christ is the image of the invisible God. One sun enlightens the whole world, so does one Christ, and there needs no more. So a boat needs navigational lights to avoid running into the shore, aground, or into other vessels at night. Light prevents aimless drifting. Captain follows blinking channel markers and lighthouses at night. Now, GPS coordinates steer ships, but the captain and crew still need to know how to navigate by the stars, buoys, and lights in case of an electrical malfunction. A lack of preparation could be deadly. Just as ships follow lights to ensure safe passage, so we rely on the light. Jesus' death broke through the darkness, lighting the way for us. God's word through the enlightening of the Holy Spirit helps us understand and remember when we need his wisdom to steer us. Prayer, which serves duly as lifeboat and lighthouse through our everyday lives, is an open light of communication not available to Old Testament believers. We learn from the beginning of the book of Genesis and John's gospel that Jesus was present and that he is the word. Everything the light touches, he is part of. 
While I am in the world, I am the light of the world from John 9.5. So darkness in 8.12 is the Greek word skosha, defined in the darkness due to the want of light and used to describe ignorance of divine things. It's associated with wickedness and the resultant misery in hell from Genesis 1.4. God saw the light and light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. And all who are separate or far from him live in darkness. Being separate, ignorant, or unaware of the dark leaves us wanting for someone we cannot produce on our own. We come to the end of ourselves in frustration, hopelessness, or an aloof sense of happiness and joy. When we traverse through life in darkness, but with Christ we have the absolute fullness of life. John was Jesus' best friend on earth, referring to himself as the one Jesus loved. He was the only one of the twelve at the cross when Jesus died. How we began our story says a lot about how we understand and believe most. John undoubtedly knew who Jesus was, both on earth as his friend and as his God made flesh. The true light that gives light to overcome was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him from John 1, 9 and 10. So that phrase is Jesus' long debate with the Pharisees. The string of preaching miracles and conversion resulted in increased persecution from the Jewish leaders. Before Jesus' testimonial declaration of the light of the world, John recorded Jesus writing on the ground to scatter a woman's accusers, further fueling the debate. Jesus then heals a blind man, which in turn is investigated by the Pharisees, striking a conversation not just about physical blindness, but spiritual. Jesus was talking to a group of Jewish leaders prominently referred to as Pharisees. It is suspected that the title originates from a Hebrew word meaning separate or detached. They separated themselves from anything that didn't align with the way they interpreted Levitical law. As Jesus spoke, people started to believe him. Their claims didn't diminish his confidence. Notice it was Jesus' words that God used to bring about the faith. He wasn't doing miracles at this point. He wasn't speaking. In fact, he was going back and forth with the Pharisees and the crowd, those who were blind, and to what he was saying. And as people listened to his words, they believed. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ from Romans 10:17. Through Christ, we have access to the Father. Our perspective brightens when touched by the light. Illuminated by the Creator, we are able to hang on to the shreds of light that permeate the darkness. Jesus shines light into the cracks of our hearts that harbor sin. Once revealed, the conviction of the Holy Spirit instructs and guides us to repent. We grow wiser as He sanctifies our hearts to reflect His light. An entire system of spiritual darkness spearheaded by Satan himself, carried out by hordes of demons and influencing every corner of the earth, rages right below the surface of our everyday lives. So how do we live in with any hope while we drown in all this darkness? We are self-centered and self-driven without Jesus. We come to an end of ourselves and our efforts and become overwhelmed by the natural darkness in our hearts. No one has a good heart. In a natural state, we all fall short. Jesus came so we would experience the power of the Holy Spirit, 
God's loving embrace through the wisdom of his word and our relationship with him shed his light on others living in darkness. One reason the darkness around us is so terrifying is that we see so much of ourselves in it. Our weaknesses, our fears, our brokenness, our sin, for many of us, no darkness is more intimidating than our own. In Adam, things do get better, but in Christ, the future is impossibly bright. Jesus gives us the vision to see who we are in him. Only the light of the world can show us who we are and guide us responsibly through life. Following Jesus is more than tagging along behind him. It means following him for who he is, being so taken with him that you join yourself to him. Light is akin to freedom. We're wide open to the world when we walk with our Creator. Walking in the light means embracing our individuality when we release our self-centered methods for definition of love. Consider how we know all of us before we breathe our first breath on earth. Let the fact that He took each of our names to the cross permeate. The light of the world knows what we do not. We can be so focused on getting to where we are going that we miss many turns along the road to a full and abundantly bright life. What makes us shine? Our outward observable public works makes clear who we are and whose we are manifestly clear. Jesus brings light to the far corners of our communities and our world, from Matthew 5.14 says. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. When we live our lives reflecting the light, it allows others to see his love. We are called to share the gospel, but more importantly than what we say is how we live. Light affects everything. It permeates truth into every situation. It's true love on earth. Anne Graham wrote, Praise God, to light of the world is the light of heaven. So only he can empower us to love the people he purposely places in our lives. Well, and his love lights up the world. You are the light in the darkness, a servant of God who is being watched, who gives off light. A very distinct message with hardly a word of being said. So next, I want to play you a song that is called Morning Light by Tommy Walker. And here it is. fear what I am facing and walk in faith when I can't see in the morning light in the morning light I lift my eyes up to the mountains and wait on him to rescue me in the morning light in the morning light Weeping may endure through the night But joy will come in the morning light yeah. The days are dark, the clouds have gathered But I'll hold on to my Savior in the morning light 
in the morning light Weeping may endure through the night But joy will come in the morning light The goodness of the Lord again I'll see To this I will hold fast I will believe, yeah Any plan coming from the enemy My God, He will redeem Bring back His peace, yeah My God, He will redeem Bring back His peace Weeping may endure through the night But joy will come in the morning Thirty says, "Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning." And Psalms twenty-seven says, "I remain confident in this that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living." We all experience those dark nights, but God promises His joy will come again. His joy will come. Light will come, the pain will pass, his joy will rise in the morning light, in the morning light, in the morning light. Hey, what a great song by Tommy Walker. Here's what Tommy said regarding this song. 
He said the morning light was primarily inspired by Psalm 30. The truth of David's words here is very real to me. I've experienced many a night when I couldn't sleep and out of nowhere felt dark doubts and fears trying to overtake my mind. Then at last the morning would come and I would read and meditate on God's word. I sensed his comfort and assurance streaming back into my heart. His joy truly did come to me in the morning. I think we all have also experienced seasons in life that felt like one long, dark night. So I'm so thankful for the promise of the other psalm in this song as well, Psalm 27:13. David encouraged us with his own confidence that we too will see the goodness of the Lord in our lives again. Perhaps this was the confidence our Lord Jesus himself anchored his hope in when anticipating and enduring the cross. For he knew there was joy set before him. Joy was coming. He would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So I pray that this song will bring hope, comfort, and confidence to those who are in great pain and hopelessness, whether with marriages, health, finances, or a time of waiting, feeling distant from God. You can believe you will see his goodness again. Joy will come in the morning. From Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, And let us run with endurance with the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So Rick Warren writes, Grow in the light of God's word. So as a vegetable gardener, I can tell you that the more hours of light you have, the bigger your crops will grow. For more than 30 years, I've used a special light bulb for gardening called a grow light. It emits a certain kind of light that causes plants and trees to grow. You use it in areas where there isn't enough light for plants to survive. So I planted young redwood trees on the shady side of my house and used the grow lights on them until they got tall enough to get sunlight on their own. Today, those trees are about 40 feet tall. Light is the key to life. Every plant grows by photosynthesis, which is dependent upon light. Humans depend on light to see and for our body's system to function normally. So no light, no power, no light, no growth. You can't live without light. What's true of light in the physical realm is also true in the spiritual realm. On your dark days, when the sun is hidden and you can't see the light, you need the light of Jesus to change you for the better. There are two ways that you change. When you see the light and when you feel the heat. One of those ways is far less painful than the other. If you would just change when you see the light, then you wouldn't have to change when you feel the heat. Do you want to know what your grow light is? It's God's Word. Studying God's Word will help you grow in your knowledge of God and love for Him. Ephesians 1, 16 and 17 says, I pray for you constantly, asking God to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow. When, you're, when you know God's Word, His light will flood your heart. Then you'll understand the wonderful future God has promised you. In the Bible, light and life go hand in hand. You are the giver of life. Your light lets us enjoy life from Psalm 36.9. Life is meant to be enjoyed, not merely endured, not just at Christmas, but all year long. The key is to live in God's light. That's why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, 
You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Again from John 8, 12. Everyone needs light. You need physical light to make sure you can see the world around you to avoid running into obstacles. Through his word, God wants to provide light for your mind too. So the Bible says, understanding your word brings light to the minds of ordinary people from Psalm 119, 130. So God wants to give light, his light to every person. He wants to light up our minds with the truth of who he is and his next step for our lives. Biblical meditation is often the key to turning on that light. You have to soak your mind in the light. Biblical meditation isn't losing your mind to the universe. It's focusing it on the word of God. When you do that, you bring light to your life. Through his word, God helps you see life through a different perspective. Again, Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. God's word gives us direction in life, shows us the path God wants us on. When that psalm was written, the lamp was the candle in a lamp that people would carry around. Today, it would be a flashlight. If you hold a flashlight and you want more light down your path, you have to take the next step. Many times I've been stuck in looking for a light from God for my whole path, but God gives us just enough light for the next step. You take that next step and God gives you light for one step after that. One of the best ways to turn on the light of God's word is to pray God's word. Like Psalm 119.18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You want to see wonderful things from God's word, right? Ask God to open your eyes to what he wants to do through your life. He's ready to turn the light on. So next I want to read you a story and it's called Checking In. So a minister passing through his church in the middle of the day decided to pause by the altar and see who had come to pray. Just then the back door opened. A man came down the aisle. The minister frowned as he saw the man hadn't shaved in a while. His shirt was kind of shabby and his coat was worn and frayed. The man knelt, he bowed his head, then rose and walked away. In the days that followed, each noontime came this chap. Each time he knelt, just for a moment, a lunch pill in his lap. Well, the minister's suspicious grew. With robbery a main fear, he decided to stop the man and ask him, What are you doing here? The old man said he worked down the road. Lunch was a half an hour. Lunchtime was his prayer time for finding faith, strength, and power. I stay only moments. See, the factory is so far away. As I kneel here talking to the Lord, this is kind of what I say. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy I have been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. Don't know much of how to pray, but I think about you every day. So Jesus, this is Jim, just checking in. The minister, feeling foolish, told Jim that was fine. He told the man he was welcome to come and pray any time. Time to go, Jim smiled and said thanks as he hurried to the door. The minister knelt at the altar. He'd never done that before. His cold heart melted, warm with love, and met with Jesus there. As the tears flowed in his heart, he repeated old Jim's prayer. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. Don't know how much of how to pray, but I think about you every day. So Jesus, this is me, just checking in. Past noon one day, the minister noticed that old Jim had not come. As more days passed with no sign of Jim, he began to worry some. At the factory, he asked about him, learning he was ill. 
The hospital staff was worried, but Jim had given them a thrill. The week that Jim was with them, he brought changes in the ward. His smiles, a joy contagious, a changed people were his reward. The head nurse couldn't understand why Jim was so glad when no flowers, calls, or cards came. Not a visitor he had. The minister stayed by Jim's bed. He voiced the nurse's concern. No friends come to show they cared. He had nowhere to turn. Looking surprised, old Jim spoke up and with a winsome smile. The nurse is wrong. She couldn't know that in here all the while. Every day at noon, he's here, a dear friend of mine. You see, he sits just right down, takes my hand, leans over and says to me, I just came again to tell you, Jim, how happy I have been since we found this wonderful friendship and I took away your sin. I always love to hear you pray and I think about you every day. And so, Jim, this is Jesus just checking in. And so next I want to read you another poem and it's called I Am the Light of the World by Deborah Ann Belka. Jesus is the light of the world, the darkness it outshines, disclosing the evil thoughts of our hearts, souls, and minds. His light is heart revealing to believers or not. His light unmarks the sin that for man he bought. His light is soul divulging in the darkness it glows. His light is discovering all wickedness it shows. His light is illuminating. It reflects the things hidden. His light is mind piercing. It sees all who are sin driven. Jesus is the light of the world for all who believe. And he came so everyone salvation can receive. And from John 12:46, I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So with this episode today, I wanted to tell you this is exactly why I do this podcast. I want God's light to flow to you from God and reflect out to this world. The best way to combat this messed up world is to shine God's light on it, and that is what I'm trying to do. If we have a personal relationship with God and we let God's word permeate through us, then that is the example that God wants us to show the world. So I am going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham called Be the Light of the World. And here it is. John the Baptist lost his head when he stood up for that which was morally right. Joseph went to prison when he refused to yield to temptation. Expect to have some difficulties. And that's a part of our cross there. Jesus said, unless you're willing to deny self, your own selfish desires that are wrong, and are willing to take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my follower and my disciple. If you're going to take your stand for Jesus Christ, and you're going to follow him, it's going to cost you. I'm not asking you to follow Christ because it's easy. I tell you, it's not easy to be a Christian. It's hard in this materialistic, secularistic, immoral generation. But the scripture says, let your light shine in this crooked and perverse generation. So that does bring an end of our episode today, and I hope everybody enjoyed it. Just an update on Lolita. She did do her first chemo here about a week and a half ago. She's had a couple of bad days, but she's getting better. Her and I both appreciate the prayers. Thank you very much. And my closing prayer is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. And next week's episode is going to be on what Jesus said regarding the Ten Commandments. Hey, you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com 
I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Light for free. Again, I hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week.